Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybooks together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. How does a former lawyer turn into a CEO of a top bakery in New York City? Talk about a pivot and a major transition from a cushy job into the unknown of not really knowing what you're doing and then making something honestly incredible of it. Well, my guest today is none other than Helene Godin. And if you know who Seth Godin is, the business executive and best-selling author, uh, then you're in for a real treat because I have his wife, uh, Helene, on the story box today. Now, Helene was obviously a, a lawyer and she turned into an entrepreneur. She founded By The Way Bakery, which is a small, old-fashioned bakery where everything is made by hand from scratch in small batches. All of their baked goods are gluten-free, dairy-free and certified kosher. And most importantly, everything they make is as delicious as if not better than most conventional baked goods. And if you have a look at some of these delicious items that they provide, I, yeah, you've just got to, I guess, if you're here in Sydney, Australia, then put it on your bucket list to go and uh, connect with Helene in New York City when you do end up going there. Um, the By The Way Bakery turned into a successful brand with a devoted following over the course of 10 years. Helene was able to explore new territory and expand with now four locations across New York and Connecticut as well. The bakery is also starting to ship some of their most uh, loved products nationwide. To find more information about uh, By The Way Bakery and its products as well, you can visit www btwbakery.com that's www.btwbakery.com uh and i think you guys are going to love helene's story she is 
quite honestly, a lovely human being. And I really, really enjoy this conversation. But if you do enjoy it, please share it around to your friends and family. Let everyone know about this one. I think the story behind how Helene went from lawyer to a CEO and what she actually went through uh, is pretty remarkable and is quite inspirational, actually. Um, How you can turn something, an idea really into uh, what really, by the way, bakery is today, which is quite successful. So my friends, please share this one around to your friends and family that everyone know about this one. All right. You know what time it is too. It is time to journey with me into this story box and listen and learn and grow from the incredible story of none other than Helene Godin. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Like I was saying to you a moment ago, when I found out about your business, what you're doing in the world, and I guess putting smiles on people's faces every single day, I mean, I had to find out who is the lady behind this. I mean, what is her story? What has she learned along the way? So I really do appreciate you making the time to be here today. My very first question for you is what is your favorite Uh, bakery good that you enjoy making the most? So we first have to qualify that because I don't make anything. (laughs) I, I, I am sort of the wizard behind the curtain. I quit my job as a lawyer and literally taught myself how to bake. When I told my family that I was going to open a bakery, they looked at me and said, but you don't, you don't know how to bake. And it was true because when I first started experimenting, my kids would come running down the stairs and say, mom, it's bake, not broil. <laughs> As the smoke alarm is going off. So I, I, I taught myself how to bake because you can't run any business, large or small, without an understanding of all the aspects. Mm-hmm. So I spent four months, because we're a gluten-free, dairy-free bakery, I spent four months just developing the flour mix because you can't just open a bag of gold medal flour. You have to do a blend. And I spent four, four months doing that based on about six core recipes. And um, I would decide, do I want to use teff flour? No, I don't like teff flour. How about millet? No, I didn't like that. How is this ratio between white rice and brown rice? Oh, that seems to work. And my method was very scientific. It was bake, bite, throw out. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, I would just keep going with that. So I I spent four months, I mean, working, we we had talked earlier about lawyers hours. I worked, I worked 24, I worked seven days a week, 10, 12, 14 hours a day on this. And I came up with the recipes and then it was also, I had to come up with a store design and a business plan. And I had to figure out where to source ingredients and all those other aspects. So I did, I learned I know how to make everything we do, Wow! but I left it to the professionals from the moment we opened the door. That said, I think my favorite, my go-to is our coconut cloud cake. Oh, I should never have asked you this question. You know why? Because it's going to make me hungry from the word go. And that's all I'm going to be thinking about is food and trying and <laughs> trying the cakes or the food, the entire conversation. <laughs> so I'll, I'll do my best to steer away from thinking about that. But you're like the, the grand wizard behind all the, the, all the ideas that the bakers come and actually make. Is that correct? 
Well, you know, and, and I had, I'm the one who said I'm the wizard behind the curtain, but I could not do what I do without the team I have. And, you know, I will, you know, I will come up with an idea, but they will also come up with ideas and they will talk me off the ledge when I come up with something completely crazy. Um, or will, you know, I will be the starting point and they will then tweak and work their magic. Mm. So, um, I am heavily involved in the process but it is very much a collaborative effort. Mm, I can imagine. I want to get to what you've learned about the collaboration and building a good team in a moment and then the the backstory of, of how this all got started. But I went off track a little bit from my initial first question. I normally ask all my guests anyway. And over the years for you, Helene, what have you learned? What does success look like for you? Success is an an absence of the fear of failure. Mm -hmm. You cannot be afraid to fail if you hope to succeed. I like that. And, and otherwise I never would have been able to come up with this great chocolate chip cookie because I failed 51 times. And it was, as I said, bake, bite, throw out and start all over again and just dig your heels in and say, I'm just going to, I'm going to push through to see if I can figure this out. Now there are some things that you can't figure out. So for example, we came up with an item um, about six years ago. It was for, we're kosher bakery as well for the Jewish holidays. We came up with a particular traditional cake and I had a new head baker who's, who's wonderful, absolutely extraordinary. Um, but she was, she was, as I said, new and she, she thought, no, no, by the, by the time the holiday comes, we'll be able to do this. And I said, well, I'm about to print the menus and we haven't done it yet. She said, no, no, I think we can do this. Okay. And, um, we couldn't, mm. we, we, I, I think I issued more refunds than products sold. Oh no. But but we weren't afraid to fail. And it didn't mean that I then closed the bakery. I learned an important I learned several important lessons. And that failure was a, a point of growth. Mm. So where did you specifically learn to create this mindset of failure is not a bad thing? Failure is a is in, is in fact a good thing where I'm going to learn what I need to learn in order to push me forward. Where did that start for you? I just, I've just always been like that. I've always, I've always been oddly driven. <laughs> I tell this story. Um, it, it, he's, he's may not be most well known in Australia. And in fact, he's barely known in the United States, but Harry Truman was the president of the United States. Yeah. And I was in fifth grade and it was Christmas break and Harry Truman died. And he was, he was old. He had, he was president in the forties and this was 1972, I think, but Harry Truman died. It's Christmas break. What does any fifth grader do? Of course they write a report to bring into school the first day back, whether or not it was assigned because it wasn't, it's just, and I have a strong sense of intellectual curiosity, which is the other thing that I think any entrepreneur or successful business person has to have. You have to always be on the lookout for new ideas and new approaches. If you say, well, this is the way I'm going to do it and it works, you may find your competitors catching up. Mm. But if you say, well, this is the way we do it today, but 
let's revisit it tomorrow and see if there's a way we can do it even better. Mm. I can relate to you in the sense that more so in the last couple of years, I've noticed that I've been even more driven uh, than what I was even when I was younger. And, you know, I did notice when I was growing up that I was a driven individual, like with certain things. For me, I wanted to be a filmmaker. So everything I did revolved around film specifically. So I lived and breathed it and I would just go after it. But what happened was both my film businesses failed and I didn't actually end up going the direction that I thought I would go. I went in a completely different direction, which led me to here, which, you know, if I didn't fail, then I wouldn't have been here. If I didn't continue on, I wouldn't have been here if I had have given up. So it's amazing phenomenon. If people actually realize that failure is in fact a good thing and they learn from your story, Helene, and other people's story, because that comes with being in business. It's, it's part of life in general, I think. So I, I appreciate that, that fact in your story. So for someone, just for example, that is in fact struggling to adopt this kind of mindset in their own life right now, how would you walk someone through that? What strategies or advice would you give them apart from just saying you've got to have it? Well, it's, I mean, I, I shouldn't, I, I should clarify that sometimes you need to fail, right? And it's just because it didn't work, right? I mean, at a certain point, you have to let go. And you, you, part of that is listening to, reading the room, listening to those around you, whether they're your customers or just the friends and family who have agreed to test whatever it is you're making or doing. Mm. But I think um, it's, it's just getting your head around the fact that nobody's judging you. And if they are judging you, that's okay. It has to come from within. And you have to, you have to say to yourself, well, am I afraid because of outside judgment or am I afraid? Cause really, you know what, this isn't doing it for me. And they're two different things. Mm, definitely. What, so what drives you even despite failures, what keeps you going during the hard times, during the hard moments? I think we all have to learn how to make lemonade. I mean, the pandemic was a great example in that, you know, we, we were on track to, I think, do a hundred wedding cakes for 2020 and there were no weddings mm. and the emails just kept coming saying, may I have my deposit back? And we just issued each one and it was, what are we going to do? And I did, I did a few things. We actually took the opportunity because we were an essential business to expand our facility. We, we put in some new equipment, did some exciting things on that front. Um, I had my decorators and my bakers bake for the camera. So we came up with a beautiful portfolio of, of cakes, particularly wedding cakes. The wedding cakes we didn't sell, we made anyway and took pictures of them so that when the world reopened, we had a gorgeous collection that we could sell. And the third thing is that I used the opportunity for product development and we came up with some, we, we tweaked, as I said, you should never rest on your laurels. You should always revisit your existing products, but we came up with a new product that was new to the bakery, but not new to me, which was a snack food because I said, all right, we are, we are doing great in the bakery 
arena. What can we do for center store? Center store is like the snack aisle. And we came up with this wonder. We took an old family favorite, a snack that my family had made as a gift item and turned it into a viable commercial product. Wow. This is, this is amazing. So can you tell me, uh, what have you learned about, so even in a, a difficult moment, such as the pandemic about learning how to pivot into the good things and out of the challenges, what have you learned about pivoting exactly? Well, I, I learned that pivoting can be really rewarding. Like, I don't know if you can, I'll, I'll, your, your listeners can't see it, but like we took the opportunity to come up with this gorgeous packaging and product called Momix. Mm. And if you're afraid to pivot, you will never learn and grow. Mm. And that's a loss. I think what needs, I think what, what may spur people on is not, well, I'm afraid to move forward, but what will I lose if I don't? Mm. So how do we, I guess with uh, a lot of trends popping up during these days, especially in bakeries and uh, other businesses as well in the, in the hospitality realm, how do you remain on trend or how do you make your own trends that stand out from the crowd? Well, one thing we do is we, we stick to our core business in that um, we are a gluten-free dairy-free kosher bakery. So we, we're not a vegan bakery. We use eggs because we have found that for our business and the products we have, that doesn't mean you can't do outstanding vegan baked goods. You can even do outstanding gluten-free vegan baked goods. But for us, it's, this is, this is our lane. Mm -hmm. And, um, we, we don't get distracted and customers say, but can't you make a vegan or can't you do sugar-free or can't like, no, this is, this is who we are. We are, by the way, bakery, we are gluten-free, dairy-free kosher. And within that realm, we're eager to work with you, mm. you know, but we get, we get requests, for example, for a trace leches cake. And we're like, really? So you want us to do coconut, almond, and soy? It's not going to work. <laughs> Have you ever and thought about sort of, adopting uh, whether it's vegan or sugar-free into your current model and expanding? We've tested it, but we realized that we're really good at what we do. Yeah. And it's, it's on one hand, we're, we're hyper-specialized. On the other hand, we're broad enough. It's okay. Mm. And particularly we have found that with the way we do our processes, we attract an enormous number of people who are none of the above. They don't fit into any of our core buckets. And um, I'll give you a wonderful example, which is the Bronx Zoo. Mm. The Bronx Zoo is one of the premier zoos in the world. And they do, they have a catering and event area where they do high-end weddings and other events. And they came to us and said, we want you to be our wedding cake provider. And I said, that's lovely. We'll be the wedding cake provider for when someone has an, a food allergy or when someone's kosher. They said, no, we've had your products. We think if you are, will offer a tasting for our clients and present them with the products, no one will turn you down. Mm. And so far that's been true. Wow. So I would be remiss. Okay. So I know this has been a non-linear 
sort of conversation so far, but I want to go back and give my audience context before I ask any more questions revolving around leadership and, and business sense. So you were a lawyer and then you went into this business field. So my first question to you is what did you want to be when you grew up? Firstly, did you always want to be a lawyer and did you ever see yourself turn into becoming a baker and what led you there? I know there's a couple of questions in there. So I grew up in a family of lawyers. My father was a lawyer my grandfather was a lawyer and the dinner time, my father tends to monopolize the conversation. And so the dinner conversation when I was growing up was always about what he did as a lawyer. And I found it interesting and more important, I love to write. I love to research. I love to solve problems. And so I went to college with every intention of becoming a lawyer and took every class that had and the law in it, English and the literature and the law, Shakespeare and the law, history and the law, the law and the law. The th- I took a class, the theater and the law. I can't even act. And very focusing and and so I, that's what I wanted to do. And and I did it quite happily for 22 years. And then I just burnt out and I didn't know what I was going to do. And that last, and I quit with no plan because I was working so hard that there was no time to formulate a plan. And um, after four days, including a Saturday and a Sunday, I was going out of my mind. And um, I started exploring various avenues and I don't know how, but I came up with the idea that I'd open a bakery. I, I, I basically said to myself, well, if I don't want to do like, I don't want to be a literary agent or I don't want to be a, a PR person. Cause those are close enough to what I used to do. What's different. Well, food is community and I love community and I'm going to open a little something in my town. And I decided that I didn't want to do a restaurant because it was too many hours, too many nights. I had a family. So in short order, I came up with this wacky idea. I'd open a bakery. Mm. And I I can't say that there was this natural, like, oh, of course, because I made cookies every weekend. No, it was just, I saw the connection because it's problem solving. At the end of the day, certainly what I do, because I have to trick rice into thinking it's wheat, every morning. But at the end of the day, if you if you look at any situation as an opportunity to solve a problem, it becomes really interesting. Mm. It's a mind mindset shift, isn't it? Yeah. I, I like it. Yeah. So would you say that leaving your job and going into this current career of, of being a business owner, would you say that has been the biggest risk you've ever taken in your life? No, because I've done it organically. Mm. I mean, I was fortunate because I was a successful attorney. So I, I, and I wasn't going to spend my last dollar building this business, but um, I didn't start with an 8,000 square foot factory and 75 employees. Mm. I started with a baker and a half in a 400 square foot store. And, a, you know, the oven was one step above a toaster. So it's another lesson for your listeners is that you don't have to dive in. You know, you should dive in with passion. The passion should be unbridled, but you don't have to, you know, spend your last nickel. You don't have to give everything up um, and close every other possible door to start a business. No, no. And and that's what I've learned as well. You know, so I think that's a good lesson for me and for my listeners as well. 
What would you say, staying on the subject of risk, what would you say has been the biggest risk that you've taken within your family? Within my family? I, I, I wouldn't call it a risk, but it's a story I'm quite proud of, which is um, I have two wonderful sons they are, who have grown to be exceptional men. And my older son, Alex, was always out of the box, totally out of the box. And he came to me when he was in eighth grade and he said, mom, I'm not going to go to college. Now I have, I went to a prestigious university and a top 10 law school. My husband, who I met at said prestigious university, went to a top, a, a top two business school. Mm-hmm. And so it's very hard when your child who is real, like really smart says, I'm not going to go to college because that's the traditional track. Nevertheless, I didn't miss a beat. I said, okay, so you understand that you're very fortunate and that your family will, will pay for school. That's four years on, a, on the, the campus of your choice. Who doesn't want to do that? Debt-free. And he said, no, nope, not for me. He said, Bill Gates didn't go to college. Steve Jobs didn't go to college. Larry, or they didn't finish. Larry Ellison didn't finish. I'm not even going to start. And I said, okay, but that means when you finish high school, you're on your own. I mean, we will love you, but you have to support yourself. Mm-hmm. He said, all right, I'll, do, I'll take that bet. And I said, and here's the other thing. My job as a parent is to give you options. So I can't have it that at the end of your senior year of high school, you say, "Uh, I want to go to college and now I don't have the grades. I don't have anything. And I said, so you have to act like you're going to college in that you must always do your homework. You must always go to class. You must study for every test and you must get into a school worthy of your potential. Mm. And, you know, you, you have tremendous potential, young man. And he did. He, he kept his word and I kept mine. And he applied to a prestigious university, early decision. He got in and, by, and everything's electronic. He got in, he got the email, he wrote back, thanks so much. Can I defer? <laughs> and they said, Yes. And um, a year later, they wrote saying, hey, um, time to come to college. We're holding the seat. And they said, he said, I'm not sure I'm ready. And they said, well, we will actually make an exception because what you're doing, you've done in the past year is sufficiently interesting. And so he deferred again. And then they showed up. Your three said, hey. And he said, no, I'm not going to do it. So I think the risk was bigger for him. But often as parents, we're so invested in our kids, in addition to our own personal stories and presentations. But I said, no, you need to be who you are. Mm. And now he is running um, a hotline for people who are, are having trouble with food insecurity, helping them find pantries and places to go. And in doing that, he's building an enormous database of resources. Wow. That's inspiring. You know, I, I kind of can relate to him on a, on a level because I went to university for one semester, but then I thought, no, nah, this is not for me. I'm not. And I left and then 
I'm now doing this and then other jobs and yeah, like it, it just worked out. So for me, it was, it was a risk to leave because I thought that that was going to be the path that I was meant to take. And that was going to lead me into this, this grand career, but alas, <laughs> it didn't. Um, so it's, but it's still okay. Right. I'm still on my feet. I'm still thriving and I'm still learning a, a tremendous things. And I think your, well, your son, from what I'm hearing you talk about, he's living in his purpose and he's happy. And I don't think he would have been happy if he was in university. And if he was no. At all. And my friends all thought I was crazy. Mm. I mean, for years after that, they would say, so when's he going? Like, he's not. He's an adult and he's he's fine. Mm. He's more than fine. Mm. Yeah. So if if someone was to, like, if they're a young person at the moment and they were to say, Helene, I want to start my own business. I have this grand idea, this grand plan. I've set it all out. What advice would you give to a young person right now? I would say, make sure you really have done your homework, that you've looked at it from every conceivable angle, because you may want to start a sneaker business, but have you thought about where you're going to manufacture it and how you're going to push Nike off the shelf? Because it's doable, presumably, but what's your cap? What's your funding? What's your, what's your, um, what's your level of commitment? You know, and 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 are you the person who can really take on this challenge or is there something else that would bring you as much joy or almost the perceived joy you think you'd have? Um, because maybe the answer is you're going to open a sporting goods store or you're going to be or work for a company that that does what you were thinking of doing to certainly learn. You know, you're, you had said in this hypothetical that they were young. Start, don't just start with, I'm going to do the, do it myself on my own. First, experience it in a different way. Mm. You know, go dig, do it slowly and learn in the process. Mm. And once again, don't be afraid to fail. <laughs> and, don't, and then don't like, be afraid to fail. And don't be afraid to change your mind. No. It's really okay. I mean, I am an example. It was, you know, I, I, Used to leave my house before the sun came up and come home after it came down, but I always left in a, you know, designer clothes and high heels and went to Manhattan and did my thing. And then I remember I was doing a demo at a supermarket with my back to the to the produce aisle, freezing. <laughs> For absolutely freezing in my jeans and it was Super Bowl Sunday and no one wanted to try a cookie. Everybody wanted chips and dip and to get the hell home to the game. And I thought I took a step back and I thought, is this OK? You're you're a very different. You're presenting yourself as a very different person. And I thought, yeah, it's more than OK. Mm. It's great. Mm. So your cookie that took 51 tries to actually get to, how did you know that it was the right cookie? It was like, it was it for you. Well, no more tries. Well, um, again, I read the room. I had all sorts of people who would experiment with me and I do have, you know, I'm, I mean, I am a foodie and I had a sense, but that doesn't mean we haven't changed it over the years mm. because as I said, you don't let go. And particularly in our business, in my business, because we don't rely on conventional ingredients. And so I am always on the lookout for the next butter substitute. 
that will make a difference and make the product better. I'm always on the lookout for a new dark chocolate because obviously we can't use milk chocolate that will take the cookie up just a bit more. You know, is there a new extract company whose vanilla is even better than the one we've been using? Mm. So I want to stay on the topic of business for just a few more moments. And your your husband is obviously Seth Godin. And I'm curious about what has he taught you about running a business? Has he taught you anything? Has he helped you along the way? Well, he's a wonderful, wonderful life partner. And um, he's incredibly supportive of what I'm doing, but I am fiercely independent. And so he, like, he, he does not love my logo, but I love my logo and my customers seem to love my logo. And, you know, just because I, I have the privilege of living with him, I am, you know, I am constantly exposed to his ideas and his brilliance, but I am very much my own person. That said, he's so kind that, you know, one Saturday he said, so what do you want to do today? And I said, I don't know, maybe we'll deliver a wedding cake downtown. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to do today. (laughs) And then it turned out we got caught in the most horrible traffic. I mean, and I'm pleased to say that I am no longer delivering items in my Mini Cooper, that I now have a business that has three trucks that are constantly on the road and two drivers. But that said, we're stuck in this horrible traffic and hoping I get to to the venue in time. For dessert, there's an advantage to being the dessert provider rather than the hors d'oeuvre provider. And my husband turned to me and he said, you know, at my current billable rate and your former billable rate, this is the most expensive wedding cake delivery in history. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that story. Can imagine the uh, the back and forth conversation in the car as well. <laughs> but he is incredibly patient with his wacky wife. <laughs> <laughs> but I love how you said that you are independent. You're strongly independent, and you go after what you want. Like, and that kind of leads me to my next question, which is, who in your life has made the greatest impact? Whether it's been financially, emotionally, spiritually any of those things. Oh, that has to be my husband. Just because I am truly, truly fortunate that I'm on my life journey with him. Mm. Uh, And I, I, you know, I, I sell wedding cakes and I love telling couples, I wish for you what I have, that I have been married 35 years. I've known my husband for 40 years and still, you know, his name comes up on my cell phone. I'm like, Oh, it's him. And I'm all excited. Wow. You know, I could ask you so many, so many more questions, but I know you have to get home to your, to your wonderful family. So I've got a few more, if you don't mind. And I, I, I did want to ask you before about what you've learned about creating a good team environment, about choosing the right people to join your team. And what have you learned about leadership specifically? So I now have, I think it's 75, it may be up to 80 employees. Wow. And I can only tell you that I do my very best to treat them with respect, with respect and kindness. I still, you know, it's still a business relationship, but I'll give you one example. I have 40 bakers. 
over, they bake over the course from five in the morning to 10 at night, there's various shifts. And if you were to come visit me in, in my facility, and I was to take you on the production room floor, I would make a point of introducing you by name to them, to each and every employee to say, you know, this is Vivian and how are you doing Ruben? And, and it's not because you're going to then ask for a phone number and, you know, invite someone to coffee, but it's because I'm saying, I see you and you matter. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that advice as well. And I think that makes a good leader. It makes an effective leader is, and they're not a boss. You know, I've got on, on my wall as a reminder there's a difference between a boss and a leader and on it, it's depicting a boss. He's sitting on a chair and he's got the whip and he's just telling people just do it. And on the bottom, a leader is at the front and he's, he's showing people how to do stuff rather than just telling you to do stuff. And it's like a leader shows up with respect all the time, not just some of the time, but all the time, which is, a, is I, I can imagine for you, Helene, with 80 people, in your company, it wouldn't be an easy thing. So how do you show up every single day for all of your employees, even yourself? How do you have this bright, bubbly energy all the time? Well, I think that I just inherently have a, a thank you for saying, a bright, bubbly personality, but I just, I care about people. I care about my employees. I care about my customers. You know, whether I'm selling you a wedding cake or a cookie, I want to delight you. I want to exceed your expectations for my employees. Yes, it's a job. It's it's not paradise, but I want I want them to feel respected, natured, nurtured, heard and seen. Mm, I love and, and and what happens is that I then get that back. Mm. Mm. And that brings me joy and wants me to do more of it. My final question for you, Helene, this is my all-time favorite question I ask everyone at the end. It's a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll just call it magic for the sake of argument. <laughs> but they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? I think you've, you've reminded me that I, I no longer work in our stores, but when we first opened, I did everything. And at the end of the day, we would, I would pack up all the products we couldn't sell the next day. And I would bring them to the local homeless shelter. We now have a more sophisticated system for doing that, but I packed those items with unbelievable care. I mean, I would, you know, put the wax paper and I tie a bow because I felt that the people who were receiving it also deserved some recognition and respect. And I'm very proud of that story. Wow. Where can people find you, Helene? And, and some of my audience is here in Australia. I don't know if we can get any of your products. Do you ship overseas with your, your Mo Mix at all or is... Is it we're, at not all? Shipping, we're not shipping internationally yet, but stay tuned. You never know. Well, there's a connection, everyone. So, you know, whenever we get to travel overseas to New York, <laughs> we get to go there. <laughs> but where can people connect with you online and, and follow your amazing work? We're at bythewaybakery.com. 
Amazing. All right. And it's actually, it's actually btwbakery.com and that'll give you links to all our social media and our store locations and everything else. Or they can just type in your name, Helene Godin, you'll come up. It's yeah, not, not hard to find you at all. But <laughs> well, there you. is that there is that singer in Montreal who is Helene Godin. Helene <laughs> Godin. Uh, <laughs> I didn't I didn't find her. I found you straight away, like your LinkedIn profile. So um, but yeah, go to btwbakery.com if you want to find you as even more. But Helene Godin, thank you so much for your time today, your story and all the amazing work that you're doing and the positivity that you're putting out there into the world. So I really appreciate you coming on the Storybox podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Be well. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guests today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the Storybox, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.